0: How do you relate to God? Our relationship is with the Father, not the rule giver. Our relationship is one by faith, not motivated by fear. Although there is that place for a healthy fear of God, but don't misunderstand what that means. That's a, a godly respect, an understanding that God is God and I'm not, and I trust you, God, and I cling to you, God, and I love you, and I understand that what you say is good and healthy for me, not one of fear.
1: This is Then you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. Then I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sleep for all that you've done for me. It's great to be with you, and welcome to Abounding Grace. We've been spending some quality time in chapter eight of the book of Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor. When you think of God, what pictures come to mind? Do you think of a strict rule giver and someone who's out to get you? Pastor Ed will encourage us to think of God as our Abba Daddy who loves us. That makes all the difference in how we relate to him. With Romans chapter eight and verses 15 through 17, here's Pastor Ed.
0: We left off last time in Romans chapter eight, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You can circle that word, Abba, and right next to it, Daddy. We'll get to it in a moment. But we haven't received that spirit of bondage unto fear, but we've received that spirit of adoption that cries out, Abba, Father, Father. And then he says in verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. All that is Jesus, all that belongs to Jesus is yours and mine by faith. We are joint heirs. We are a part of the family of God. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. We're kids of the King. He loves us and he cares for us and he's our Father, he's our Abba, He's our daddy, powerful stuff. If indeed we suffer with him, verse 17. And that's like putting on the brakes, right? You kind of hear a brake screeching. Suffer? Wait a minute, suffer? Christians suffer? They go through pain? The answer is yes, and we'll get to that in another study. Suffering, it says indeed if we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. Remember the contrast in Romans? Paul's continually laying before us. Are we going to relate to God by the law or by faith? Is it going to be a relationship with a rule giver or a father? Is it going to be this relationship of fear and anxiety? Did I please the father today? Is he happy with me today? Is everything okay today? Or is it going to be one by faith that we are accepted in the beloved? And that's the constant battle throughout Romans to being delivered from the law, from legalism, from approaching God with the attitude of, God, what's the list? List it out for me today. Tell me what I'm to do. Tell me how I'm to do it. And so many people today, perhaps you fall into that same category, relate to God through rules and regulations. Rituals that you've been taught in the church, you've been taught in your home, and rituals and religion. Paul calls it here in verse 15, that's the spirit of bondage that leads to fear. There's no freedom in rules and regulations. You know, when you think about systems of religion, it doesn't matter what systems of religion there might be. When you begin to relate to God through a system of religion, then you do see God as a rule giver. And all you're concerned about are the rules. There might be five things you want to know. There might be 10 things you want to know. There might be 20 things you want to know. But just give me the rules. And then your whole relationship with God becomes one of keeping the rules. And instead of drawing near to a God who loves you, it's often cowering in fear from a God who you believe is upset with you and mad all the time because you never really seem to live up to the lists. Because it is a bondage, is it not? not a great bondage. We didn't receive the spirit of bondage, the Bible says, that leads to fear. Our relationship is with the Father, not the rule giver. Our relationship is one by faith, not motivated by fear. Although there is that place for a healthy fear of God, but don't misunderstand what that means. That's a, a godly respect. And understanding that God is God and I'm not, and I trust you, God, and I cling to you, God, and I love you, and I understand that what you say is good and healthy for me, but not one of fear. Grace. Romans being the gospel of grace. Well, grace brings great freedom and great confidence. Aren't you glad that in all the realm of living for God that Romans chapter 8, verse 1 opens up, there is therefore now no condemnation. Right now, no condemnation for those that are in Christ, those that are walking according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. It's a difficult life to live with a list giver, a rule maker. Do you know when you survey through the scriptures, do you know that God reveals himself with many different pictures, many different ways? I asked you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Would you look at that with me? Verse 11. Here's a picture of God as he reveals himself to us as an eagle stirring her nest. That's a cool picture. You know, every springtime we've got these birds. I don't know what kind of birds they are, they're not eagles. But there are birds that come and they make a nest in our house somewhere outside. You know, sometimes it's up in the porch area there. They make a little nest. The eggs are there. The mama bird is there. And and then you can watch it. We get to watch it as a family as this family starts to develop in the nest. And then there comes a point in time where if you're you're at there at the right time, in the right place, you're going to see the little birds fly away. This year, they're not in our front uh, porch. They're in a tree. The mother bird just like totally knows what she's doing. Because I would have never chosen the branch that she chose to put the nest. Because I've seen, it's, a, it's an aspen tree, and I've seen the wind do vroom, vroom, vroom. But you know, that nest is right there in that little thin, skinny branch, and it hasn't moved an inch. That mama bird cares for her little birdie birdies. I don't even know what kind they are. I should, I should go out and ask them, what kind of bird you are you, you know? I should charge you rent. <laughs> anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 11 as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led them. What a picture. Aren't you glad it doesn't say the Lord drove them, man, and pushed them, and and they just, man, they were driven to move by God. No, the Lord gently led them just like an eagle flip over to psalm 36 another picture of god as he reveals himself to us god reveals himself well there's a picture drawn as a mother hen with her chicks the precious love of our god and this is a great one too that precious love it says in verse 7 of psalm 36 and again you can jot these down and i hear you turning pages get familiar with your bible gang move through the Bible, jot notes down. Even if you want to jot notes down in your Bible, this is, this book is life. It's not just a book that I have on the pulpit that I kind of refer to from now and then. This is life. This is the living word of God right here in your lap, in your hands, soon to be in your hands or in your lap that you would use. If you don't have a Bible, take one of the ones that are in the back. It's our gift to take the Bible. And if you've graduated from that one, there are Bibles downstairs. Grab a Bible that you're comfortable with. Grab a Bible that you can use and use it. Become a friend to it. The more you fall in love with the Bible, the more you fall in love with the author. You begin to hear the heart of God. You receive it. So in Psalm 36, it says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Jesus, remember in Matthew 23, you can jot it down. He comes to Jerusalem and Jerusalem has rejected him and rejected him and rejected him and rejected him. And And Jerusalem, he weeps over them. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, this is Matthew 23, 37. The one who kills the prophets stones those that are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing There are some of you today that are not willing, resistant to the word of God. And our prayer for you is that you would be willing. You would soften. What a picture. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 34, if you'd like to turn there, another picture of God throughout the scripture is as a shepherd with his sheep. A shepherd with his sheep. That's not an unfamiliar picture because Jesus in John chapter 10 said he was what? The good shepherd. So that's not an unusual picture. But you know, in the Old Testament, God is revealed in Ezekiel as a shepherd. Look at Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11. Ezekiel 34, 11, the shepherd picture of our heavenly father. It says, for thus says the Lord God, indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. You see, you're God's sheep here today. You're not my sheep. You're not a church's sheep. You're God's. You belong to God. The best thing that I can do as an under-shepherd to my great shepherd is to point you to him. That's the best thing any pastor, any leader can do. To not become your sufficiency, to not have all the answers, but to simply point you to him and allow you to draw near and find your sufficiency in him. And he says, I'm looking for my sheep I'm going to seek him out, verse 12, as a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he's among the scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they are scattered on a cloudy and a dark day. I can almost sense the fear in the sheep's life of that clouds and the darkness and the rain and maybe the thunder and the lightning and they're scattered and they're running away. And God says, listen, I'm going to find you. I'm going to seek you out. I'm going to care for you. What a picture of God. And there are many, many more. We could go on and on throughout the Old and the New Testament of pictures of God. But we have one today in verse 15 that perhaps is the most sweetest, wonderful picture of God in all the Bible. That our God is Abba, Father. I ask you to circle that word. It's actually an Aramaic word that means daddy or papa. Imagine the relationship that you and I have with our daddy in heaven. We even had, and some of you may do this, but we used to have in the, uh, a lady in our fellowship, she's since moved to California, but when she would pray, it was such a sweet time because she would pray, uh, she would come to her daddy. And that's what she would say, dear daddy. It was that sweetness. And I could tell already that some of you are like, you know what, Ed, that's a little too close. (laughs) That's a little too syrupy. Come on, God, as a daddy? And there are a variety of reasons why you sense that. I mean, I mean, for some of you, you didn't have the best example of a dad on earth, did you? He took off at an early age and you didn't really grow up with a dad. He might have abused you or hurt you, was very harsh with you. And so when you hear about God being compared to an eagle, you go, yeah. God being compared to a mother and oh yeah. God is a shepherd, I can but God is a daddy? No, Ed, I can't go there. And yet, listen, the spirit of God being poured into our hearts cries out from within us, Abba, Father, Abba, Daddy. That tight, close relationship that he desires with us that we would draw near to him. Do you know, you can jot it down in Mark's gospel, chapter 14, verse 36, that Jesus prayed to Abba. Jesus did our example. That sweet, gentle relationship. And I know perhaps your dad wasn't there. He was harsh with you and hurtful. Wasn't reliable, wasn't helpful. Just a plain bad example to you. And the memories that you have when the word dad or father or daddy come to mind are not good memories. They're ones that you'd rather not recall. The picture, well, the picture of God as Abba can actually make you farther from God than really drawing you near. And yet in the economy of God, his desire for you and me is to draw near his daddy. Intimate, to let our guards down, to build up in us a trust of our father, to know that he's for us and not against us, that he cares for us. I understand this. I've spoken to many that have come from that background. I've heard the stories and I've prayed through the situations and even through this time being prepared to share on this section of scripture, I prayed for those of you that struggle with seeing God as your daddy. I prayed that God would open a channel in your heart that wasn't there or isn't there or needs to be there to replace some of the images that, well, let's face it, none of us are perfect parents. I mean, none of us on earth have a perfect picture of what it is to be a dad or a mom. We're fraught with failures and inconsistencies. We have these great and noble desires and yet at the same time we falter and we stumble. There's really not any of us. And and as great as a picture as you've had, I mean, some of you are like, no, no, Ed, I've had a great upbringing. I grew up in a great home. The, The picture of daddy means much to me and I say, amen, wonderful. But listen, as great as that love is, it's only a shadow of the love of the Father for you. Just a taste, just a glimpse Look back at Romans chapter 8, verse 15. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but instead you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Daddy. You know, in Israel, when we take a trip to Israel, which we will, Lord willing, next year, when you walk around Israel, you'll see the little kids following around their daddies and you'll hear them cry out, Abba, Abba, Abba. Because that's that sweet relationship of a little child to his daddy, and that's how they discuss and that's how they communicate, Papa. You know, I think in seeing the role of dad in my own life, I'm a dad. I've been a dad for many years. You know, as a matter of fact, I became a dad just out of high school. Wasn't married, wasn't ready. I went the wrong direction, I was a drunkard. I destroyed everything that I ever touched, had no real care or concern. I mean, there was a twinge of love for my little son there, but there were things, there were other things in life that were more important to me. And for the first couple of years of my son's life, he didn't have a very good example. He really couldn't look up to his dad and say, oh, that's somebody I want to follow. As a matter of fact, it was, it was one of the times when I'd gotten arrested and thrown into jail overnight and I'd come home and to explain myself to Marie and try to explain my way out of something again and try to pretend that there's no problem in my life that I remember hearing Marie tell my son, your dad was in jail last night. It broke my heart. I mean, I'm like, what? But you know, it wasn't enough. Even a broken heart wasn't enough. It required the power of God in my life to rescue me from stupidity and sin. You guys know by now that sin makes you stupid, right? You realize that? I and mean, I know that's a pretty harsh way to say it, and when Caitlin hears this on the radio, she's going to say, Daddy, you can't say that word. I said, well, I'm sorry, honey. But there are times when you have to learn that the lifestyle that you're in right now is not wise. How's that for an alternative of the word stupid? <laughs> not wise. Not smart. Not smart. It's destroying you. But see, then God can rush in and he can break through and he can redeem and change your role as a dad so that the next two kids in my home were born into Christian homes, to a Christian dad, albeit a dad that God is still working on even today, learning what it is to be a parent and learning what it is and yielding to his spirit. This picture of dad, I mean, our father in heaven, he's perfect in all his ways glorious and wonderful, sweet. He cares for us. You see, you can relate to God as your daddy not by human example, but by divine revelation, by the Holy Spirit of God showing you the closeness and the intimacy that he desires with you, that deep desire that's in all of us that can only be fully satisfied in the spiritual arms of our Father. And this relationship is not one of fear, notice. It's not one under some taskmaster who's cracking the whip all the time on you. Come on, you gotta get going. Come on, you're not doing enough. Come on, that's not our Father in heaven. The Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. And not at the sound of a whip. And we have this intimacy and not really knowing how to express it at times. And like some of you are like, yeah, I don't know how ever to express it because I'm not an emotional person. I don't even understand why you're speaking to my emotions. I'm not a very emotional person, except, well, I might have one emotion right now. I'm mad at you for trying to speak to my emotions. And yet, God is changing you, isn't He? That you might have been an unemotional person five years ago, but now there's more emotion in your life because God's cutting a channel of emotion in your life. That you actually start to feel things now and care. And the Father, His love, is just breaking through in your life. Our Father in heaven, He wants us to express our emotions toward Him. He wants us to know, notice in verse 16, that we're His kids, that we're children. Oh, that's such a constant struggle in our lives. That's such a constant spiritual attack in our lives. This idea that we're not children of God. We can't be children of God. How can we possibly be children? How can I be a child of God after the week that I've had? Or the thoughts that I've thunk? Or the things that I've said? How is that possible? And so the Spirit himself bears witness. Yes, you're a kid. You're a child of God. A joint heir. Yes, you're still a Christian. And notice in verse 15, as we're kind of going back and forth, you receive the spirit of adoption. Adoption. Do you know, when you think of the picture of adoption, there is a group of people that has a choice, and there's someone that doesn't, right? The family that's adopting, they make the choice. The, the child that's being adopted, there's not much choice in the matter. In, in the child's perspective, from the kid's perspective, there's a one desire. I want to be wanted take me home. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be a part of a family. I don't want to be in the orphanage anymore. I don't want to have to go through the times of families coming through and interviewing me and saying no. and, And you talk to these kids. We have some kids in our fellowship that have been adopted and you hear their stories. It's heartbreaking. You know, the kids, they just want to, just to take me home. I want to be a part of a family. You know, before Jesus Christ, that was you. Oh, we didn't know it. But the Bible says we were were children of the flesh. We were children of our own carnal desires. We served the law of sin and death. That was our life. We had no heritage. We had no covering. We had no connection. We were wandering out on our own and there was no tether between you and God until by faith in Jesus Christ, you were adopted into the family of God. You were chosen, you were received, you were accepted. And it's not just in the past tense, you are chosen, you are received, you are brought in, you are accepted in the beloved today by faith in Jesus Christ.
1: Isn't that wonderful? We're warmly accepted by God through faith in Jesus. Today on Abounding Grace, we've learned our Abba Daddy loves us. And that's the title we've chosen for this study from Pastor Ed Taylor, Our Abba Daddy Loves Us. You can hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And Pastor Ed, maybe all of this is a much different way of thinking for some of our listeners. Uh, Maybe they're under the impression that God is just some cruel taskmaster waiting to crack the whip down on us the moment we slip up. What would you say to them as we close?
0: Well, first of all, I would apologize to anyone that was taught that God is some cruel taskmaster, that He's distant, unapproachable, even perhaps to the point of unloving or uncaring. God represents Himself and reveals Himself as a Father to us on purpose and i know that some listening in didn't have the best relationship with their dad and so or didn't have a relationship at all with their dad so this is a concept hard to receive but it is a good it is a good picture to consider in relationship to the father and abba you know as you're traveling around israel You'll hear little kids cry out to their dad, Abba. I mean, even our guide, Shraga, he's in the 70s, and his 53-year-old son, you will hear him on the phone say, Abba, Abba. It's a term of endearment. It's the equivalent of us saying today, Dad or Daddy. And we have that kind of intimacy and that kind of closeness and that kind of trust and that kind of love and that kind of care. And so the, the, the joy of what God's doing in your life drawing near to the Father, um, I'd encourage you to do that. I'd encourage you to consider how God has chosen to reveal Himself to us. And and perhaps, you know, even so, if you've had a very difficult relationship with your earthly Father, just know this, your relationship with your heavenly Father uh, is perfect, and you can only grow in your love and appreciation for the Father. Thanks for asking.
1: That is very helpful and encouraging. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. We couldn't be more excited about the resource we picked out for you this month. It's a book by Pastor Chuck Smith called The Man God Uses. If you're a Christian, I'm sure you'd say you want to be used by God. But sometimes we're not quite sure how to get there. In this book, Pastor Chuck Smith examines 14 characteristics found in several people in the Bible that were used by God in powerful ways. I know you'll be encouraged. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. And we want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses too. That's our prayer and heart's desire. And if you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we'd sure appreciate it. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing. Sing